0: It's called the Radio app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach.
1: The following uh, segment is incredibly functional and totally relevant for what may transpire during the next three months and i'm not talking about politics (laughs) i know that may be a surprise to some of you uh temperatures got real cool real quick i didn't even i came back from louisiana i didn't even recognize the valley because the temperatures were low and it was raining but it did spark the idea hey you know we we might be looking down the barrel at a winter season pretty soon, and it might be a good idea to you know give the house a good once over mm. to uh, make sure that our electric bills aren't crazy when we have to heat our home. So, joining us on seven hundred and ten KURV is Stephen Stewart. He's an expert on HVAC repair from Southern Comfort Mechanical up in the Dallas Fort Worth area, Lewisville. Huh? Uh, our guest on your nine five six drive home. So, what is uh, I guess let's just start off with uh, what are what are some of the simple things that everybody kind of forgets about uh, when when trying to do a once over of the house in preparing for the winter months?
2: Hey Zach, I Steve here. I would say in terms of uh, I would say probably some of the big things looking at sort of the top energy users in our home. The HVAC typically makes up forty to fifty percent of our energy bills. <clears throat> Some of the things, though, that a lot of people forget about or don't know about, is getting a maintenance or a tune-up on your heating system. It'd be like taking your car in for a service. Uh, that way, if there's any electrical components that are failing, consuming a more more energy, you know that can get flagged, and you can get the choice then to to change that out or not. Some of the other things that get forgotten about is the hot air once we move into the heating season, hot air rises to the top of our rooms, switching the ceiling fan direction so it blows the heat around the room. uh means we don't need to run the system as long and hard. Uh, the other thing that people don't take advantage of is the scheduling feature on the thermostat. So if you're off during the day, you can set that back a few degrees. Uh, so you're not having to spend that extra money to keep your home warm while you're not there. Uh, so that, that helps reduce some of that that energy bills as well. Uh, some of the other things then is tumble dryer. You know, it's, uh, let's say, the fifth fifth item on the list that consumes the most electricity in the home or whatever or gas. So having that uh, dryer vent cleaned out occasionally had uh, to move out all of the lint in there helps reduce the length of time that the dryer needs to run to dry your clothes.
1: A good question that I hadn't thought of until um I'm looking over some notes here is when you run the heater for the first time in a long time like i I, I totally get it like it's been since what like March April since you've run the heater. And the first time that you run it, is there anything that you should note or or do before, you know, like cleaning it or something like that before running it for the first time?
2: I'm going to say no, uh, but you are going to probably smell a burning or some sort of uh, strange smell that comes off the first time. So inside the furnace or the air hammer, depending on what type you have, There's gonna be some dust that's built up on the the heat exchange or the coils over the summer when the AC's been running. First time you're gonna run that, that's gonna burn off, nothing bad or dangerous there. Uh, Some people's gonna last a few minutes, some people it may be 10, 15 minutes, but that that smell should go away, but you are gonna smell that, that strange smell. May set the fire alarms off in some homes as well.
1: for, uh, let me reintroduce you real quickly. Uh, Stephen, Stu- Stephen Stewart is uh, an expert on HVAC repair. He's from the Dallas-Fort Worth area at Southern Comfort Mechanical, our guest on your 956 drive home. When it comes to electric versus gas uh, heating your home, I think we talked a little bit about electrical. What about for people with, with gas heating their homes? Is there anything that they should do before the winter season starts?
2: I would say I would have a maintenance carried out on that. I would say, but if I would say maintenance or a tune up is not on your thing, that the minimum you should do is is get the air filter changed on whatever system you have, uh, that allows the unit to to breathe, so it's not having to run as hard or as long to uh, to heat your home
1: and for people this is a big one around our area here Be, uh, we use we use space heaters a lot I, I know a lot of people that use space heaters what are some of the dangers that come with space heaters and what are some things that you can do to make sure that you stay safe over the winter months with
2: them i would say see with, with with that is make sure you're using the right uh we we'll say clean fuel whenever you're using that so it's not giving off uh the carbon monoxide uh, in addition to that, I would have a carbon monoxide detector in in the downstairs area where I'm running that, so it's going to flag or like, you know, if there's anything dangerous coming off that. Uh, the other thing I would do now is probably pull it out, test it, make sure it runs. Uh, we'll say As we've seen, it, when it gets cold, there's a run on those things and you can't get one for a thousand miles. So being ahead of that, but on the safety front, uh, it's just making sure you're using that that clean fuel, so you don't giving off that carbon monoxide.
1: Davis, I am guilty of hogging our guest. I'm sorry. Did you have a question?
3: No, I thought you were doing excellently. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, the um, I assume people are, you know, they don't want to spend the money for the routine clean up checkup. You know, it's like paying somebody to check out your car to find out the car is doing great, but you already spent X now, but uh, you can get, I, I assume you can get package deals from HVAC people. You pay a fee and certain things will then come free or discounted and tuning those things up now can result in, or t- tuning your air conditioner and heater up now can result in lower bills because they're more efficient.
2: Am I correct about that? Yes, you are. So, for example, let's say there's a motor that blows the air around the place or whatever. That's whenever it's running, it's going to consume less than one amp of electricity when it's running. Uh, if it's going bad, you know that can be one and a half, two amps. So you're going to start to double, double your usage on the energy, and that 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 rolls through the different components then. Uh, so you know, keeping that tuned up, clean will allow to run as efficiently as it can on the side note if you, know, you have a technician and they do find there's a problem or an issue you're know, getting it taken care of now with uh, supply chain issues not everything's available right at this minute so there may be a delay in waiting for that part so if you you have a breakdown mm-hmm. at the worst of times, uh, typically what, two o'clock in a Sunday morning when things will start running. If you get ahead of that, you're not going to go through that, um, say, discomfort and disruption in your life of being in a home with no heat.
3: Well, I didn't know um, that was a good time for... Uh for your system to break down.
4: <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. It's better and but better. this is
1: a good time to to, to give everything a once over, yeah. you know? And, and I hadn't even thought about the washer and dryer, getting all the, the dryer oh, lint, yeah. lint out of there and, and the refrigerator. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. You can have a that. fire.
2: Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other, the other thing. If you let it go too long and gets plugged up, that, that motor will uh, burn up and you'll have to get a new motor on there.
1: Hmm. What about this? This might be obscure. I know a handful of people. I could probably count them on one hand personally. The amount of people that I know that have fireplaces, but is that something else that this should be checked out too?
2: I would we'll say I'm not really familiar with that area, so I can't really comment on on that. To be honest, I know here. Yeah, no, Dallas, I knew that was a, that, that was a curveball.
1: Curve I'm sorry, that was a curveball. I absolutely <laughs> it's worth was. Try, just, it's, yeah.
3: <laughs> Where can we get a chimney sweep who speaks with a Cockney accent, just like from the movies? That's what I want to know.
1: Like <laughs> uh, Steven, <laughs> thanks a lot for uh, spending some time here with us this afternoon. That's Steven's uh, Stephen Stewart, expert on HVAC repair up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Southern Comfort Mechanical. I guest on Newstalk 710 KURV or 956 Drive Home.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on Newstalk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Hey, as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radioparami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach.
1: The Strategic Petroleum Reserve is in the news again. Why? Because the president wants to use that to lower gas prices. And to explain why this is putting a Band-Aid on a crack in the dam is Tim Snyder from Matador Economics joining us. So what gives? Mm. Uh, it's, it's, you know,
5: it's all, it's just loads of fun. It's just a whole lot of mess about this.
1: <laughs> oh, this is why we love having you on Tim. It's a big old party, even though it's like, you know, uh, it, we're playing violins on the Titanic.
5: Well, you know, the funny part about it is he, you know, he said this, this, as if, as if this 15 million barrels that he's going to, he's going to reduce from the SPR is going to be a, a big deal. We consume on a daily basis 20 million barrels, so this is not even a full day's worth of of crude oil. But it does it, it does kind of sting a little bit because it continues to draw down the 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 number of barrels in the strategic petroleum reserves and get, heightens our security risk. Now, I'm going to give you a, a couple of fit facts that I think are important to understand. But the current level that we're at is about 405.1 million barrels in the SPR for crude oil, okay? That's equal to where it was back in 1984. Here's the difference, and this is why it stings so much. We currently use 27% more crude oil than we did in 1984, which makes this much more critical. And you saw what prices were doing in the 80s.
1: I didn't hear that last part. I'm sorry. Okay. That's all right.
5: I said this, this, uh, the difference is we use from 1984 to today, which is where we are currently at the current levels. Um, uh, we use 27% more crude oil than today than we did back in 1984, which makes this significantly more critical. Wow.
1: And we, we keep hearing the discussion of, uh, are are they going to up production? You know, are we going to be in a position to uh, stop relying on the reserve as as we should be? And because I keep on hearing talks about upping uh, electric vehicle battery production and things like that, like they really, really, really want to push this.
5: Well, I mean, it's, it's, that's that's fine. They can do that all day long. But here is the problem: we don't even have the ability to to write, And let's just use Texas as, as its own little microcosm we don't have the ability to increase production in west texas in those wind turbine fields that we have out there because they are at capacity load on the lines that take it to the distribution points down in you know east Mm -hmm. texas south texas you know central texas so we can't put any more power on those lines so it doesn't make any difference how much more they can produce we're at capacity on those transmission lines, and we're four or five years out from building additional uh, transmission lines to get that taken care of. This is continuing to be uh, uh, just the biggest farce anybody ever saw.
1: Tim Snyder is an economist and an oil and gas expert. He joins us on News Talk 710 KURV. Davis Franken, go ahead.
3: My understanding of the amount of oil he's going to release is one day's usage in America. Is that right?
5: He's the 15 million barrels that he said he's going to pull. Additionally on top of the first tranche was 50 million barrels back in uh, November of last year. The mm-hmm. second tranche was 180, 180 million barrels. And then this is the, uh, this is the third tranche uh 15 million. We're totally drawing down the crew, the, uh, Crude oil reserves by 245 million barrels. Now we consume on a daily basis for making gasoline and diesel and plastics and everything else, 20 million barrels. So this 15 million barrels doesn't even cover a full day's production. Um, it's but it's hurting the SPR and putting us in a national security risk.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know that's not um, what was most remarkable about it, every about it all was. This was announced, at least the news account I saw with not fanfare, but this is supposed to um, bring down the price of gasoline and but it's it's a it's a hiccup. It's not it's not even a hiccup. Um right. so, uh, I yeah, won't belabor be it other than well, this no, no, is no. not it's
1: it's like it's like putting no, no, it's I like putting on a band-aid on somebody who's like hemorrhaging, you know what I mean? Like there's like all the yeah. I don't <laughs> It's terrible. You need like this. You need a very advanced tourniquet set here, and we don't have that.
5: <laughs> yeah, I'm using popsicle sticks and duct tape to fix the dam. You know, uh, it's <laughs> just not going to work. I'll give you another perspective. Uh, in uh, March of 2020, when right at the beginning of the pandemic shutdowns that we had, President Trump asked Congress to increase to purchase. 77 million barrels of additional crude oil and put it in the SPR. That would have taken us to capacity right at 705 to 710 million barrels. Congress turned him down because they were not about to give Donald Trump a victory, and the price of crude oil at the time was between 15 and $20 a barrel. Today Good we're Lord. at 86.
1: Let's uh, let's play devil's advocate for a second with the with the Biden administration because they're claiming that it's because of uh, first off Russia. If if Russia wasn't trying to invade um, Ukraine right now, we wouldn't be having as many problems. That's one part of it. The other part is you know Saudi Arabia, but I'm sure one of them is the reaction to, or I'm sure Saudi Arabia is a reaction to the situation they see because of Russia and because of our um, weakness in producing oil. Correct.
5: Uh, that's, that's true. Um, but to give it a little bit more granularity, let's, let's just kind of put this in perspective. The, the Saudis, I mean, we were the market maker. We made the price for the world basically when Donald Trump was president because we were still producing and growing, you know, to a record right there in February before the pandemic hit. We, we had produced 13.2 million barrels of crude oil a day, a significant number of barrels, and we were continuing to grow. Um, That can that got shut down and now is being completely shut down by the Biden administration and the the infrastructure pressures that they have through this ESG governance pseudo uh, regulatory kind of environment that they have are pushing things to where we can't get. Uh, we can't get the production where we need it. we can't do the things that we need to do to to uh, liquefy the natural gas that we need to get so we can build those plants in South Texas and get that natural gas over to europe so there's there are several problems plus you look at the you look at the Saudis and what went on with the Saudis because you know he told us President Biden told us back in September the reason he was going was to explore opportunities with the Middle East, and then you know we we thought he was going to ask them for uh, to increase their production, when we found out last week that he actually uh, had gone with them, hat in hand, and said, "Can you please hold off on your uh, production cuts until after the election?" So now we've lost face with really one of our strongest allies in the Middle East, and 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 we're cutting off our nose, our arms, and our legs when it comes to uh, providing the very vital needed energy uh, components. Uh, even from Saudi Arabia, if we had to get it from the Saudis and the Russians.
1: So uh, we're talking with uh, Tim Snyder from Matador Economics. He's an energy expert, oil and gas expert, uh, economist. Our guest on your nine five six right up. So I guess to um, ask the question is there is there a ticking clock here, and and what time does it have?
5: Yeah, that's that's the whole thing is is we continue to see things destabilize across the globe. And that's what what I think the biggest threat is right now, because the more destabilized we get, the more emboldened the Russians are to do what they're going to do, the more emboldened the Iranians and the North Koreans are going to do, and the less secure our nation is from from being able to protect ourselves. And then we just, you know, somebody left the gate open, and, and out goes the, the barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserves. How are we supposed to defend ourselves if we don't have the, the fuel that we need for our military, uh, among other things? So yeah, I think the, the clock is beginning to tick and it's beginning to tick a little bit louder every day we go when there's not a change to move back to oil and gas.
1: Tim, thanks a lot for stopping by and explaining all that to us. That's Tim Snyder from Matador Economics. You can subscribe to his newsletter at matadoreconomics.com. This is Newstalk 710 KURV.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on Newstalk 710 KURV and KURV.com. K-U-R-V.com. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach.
1: There was a bunch of money approved in September by the Feb- uh, the Federal Highway Administration to help build a network of charging facilities within the state of Texas along certain Major Texas highways, and joining us on seven hundred and ten KU RV to talk about this from District number forty within our great state of Texas, Terry Canales, our state representative, joining us on your nine hundred and fifty six drive home. So, this uh, money is going to be put to good use on developing these card chargers. What's the details on it?
4: Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for having me. So, um, there's one point two trillion dollars from the bipartisan infrastructure bill that's coming. And Texas is scheduled to get about 407 million out of that uh, as long as it follows the protocol which is a formula funding Uh currently there's about between one and five percent of the vehicles on the road are electric so uh, the Texas leaders basically see the, that the future is electric cars and they're coming I'll give you an example I've got a 10 year old who's got no aspirations of owning a combustion fuel engine I think them younger generation is, is sees the electric vehicle or is going to be the future. And so Texas has to get on the ball when it comes to providing the infrastructure and, and following the formula funding. This is a once in a generation funding uh, mechanism. Uh, we've In the past session, I filed a bill to start this, but the reality is uh, we've seen that we can have trouble keeping the lights on when it gets cold and sometimes when it gets really hot. And so uh, Texas is going to have to make sure that it puts these uh, charging stations in locations where not only is it most useful protections, but it's also able to collect data and disseminate that data back.
3: This is Davis Rankin. What data is it going to be collecting, number one? And number two, I assume everybody thinks of Tesla when they think of electric cars, but there are more electric cars being built or on the road now. So how how is that going to be handled?
4: So the U.S. DOT is going to set out the guidelines, and there's a bunch of really valuable um, and very amazing information. And Dot also has a bunch of great information on both of those websites. Uh, they have an interactive map that shows where these chargers are put, more than likely going uh, and what kind of data they're going to be collecting. I'm imagining it's how many charged vehicles okay. are charging, uh, how much electricity yeah. they're using, uh, what the rate is, et cetera, so that they can get an idea for a forecast in the future and and the usefulness of where they put them, and and was it, were they getting their bang for yeah. the buck?
1: We're joined by uh, Texas State Representative Terry Canales for District Forty. Our guest on your nine five six Drive Home. We're talking about the uh, electric vehicle chargers that are going to be set up along the major highways within the Lone Star State. And, uh, have we, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of research and development that goes into this planning out strategically where all these things are going to go along these, uh, major Texas highways. But I, I ask because, um, California has had a similar problem and they've been dealing with this a lot longer than we have where they're trying to, uh, I guess, connect everybody as, as best as possible. What, what are some of the challenges that the state of Texas is going to have in, in developing well, these chargers? Well, let me stay with God help us if we've
4: got to use California as a model <laughs> <But> <laughs> never, never never nevertheless, uh, you know we want to learn from other people's mistakes. What's really interesting that people need to know is that uh since from twenty sixteen to twenty twenty one it's a six hundred and twenty percent increase in e v s and so if somebody believes that this is not a uh market trend, uh you're highly mistaken. One of the other things that we know is that the end user will more than likely be charging at home. And so there's not a necessity to put these things on every corner like we see our gas stations on every corner. Uh, most people that are staying in their realm of possibilities are going to be charging their vehicle at home. They generally get anywhere between three to 400 miles per charge. And so the interstates is where these things need to be. Now, are there lots of studies? Yeah. There's a lot of protocols in their states that are trying it's the sheer vastness of Texas. We're the size of oh. most countries. And so uh, making sure that we put these things where they are in the best location for Texans got, relates back to what you're saying is making sure we've looked at other people that have made mistakes, not make the same mistakes, but also use as much scientific concrete data as we can. And hopefully it's not falling to what California does. Uh, <laughs> yeah. one the, of the, the
1: problem, Go ahead, David. Go
3: ahead. Well, one of the, uh, things that's said, and it's usually in the form of a snark, is that uh, the, the the move, the federal push toward electric vehicles to move away from hydrocarbons, uh, but in, that, that's one of the things behind this, but that uh, also these charging stations ha- have to have electricity, and electricity can be generated quite often by hydrocarbons.
4: D- but so, but, our most what about source the of electricity is hydrocarbons? But you can't build the cars without hydrocarbons. So, mm-hmm. hydrocarbons are the source of the most uh, fundamental source of energy in the products that we use for the foreseeable yeah. future. The idea that we're not this is going to somehow curb hydrocarbons, I don't know that it gets us there. What I can tell you is it's the trend, and whether the trend is to say this is green. I can't tell you what the numbers are, but I can tell you you can't get tires, cars, paint, bolts, anything without hydrocarbon. And and all, although wind energy is nice, the wind doesn't blow all the time, and the sun stops shining 12 hours a day. So for the foreseeable future, uh, who I don't know how green you want to get, but it may mean you don't have your lights on for long. So um, counting hydrocarbons are the future of Texas and the, and, and the world for right now.
1: Joining yeah, us on the right 710 Barryman. KURV is uh, Terry Canales, representative sorry. Terry Canales for our state senate. Our guest on News Talk 710 KURV. Oh, sorry, uh, a Texas House member. I apologize. Um, w- 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 I'm I'm getting my, my thank you for the promotion.
3: <laughs> He's speaker. He's if, now if were, speaker. If it were
1: me, I'd be happy to give it to you. Uh, I was I was getting ahead of myself with one of my questions. I'm curious, maintenance on on these chargers? Uh, how how is that going to work?
4: So there's a lot of questions that, are, that that need to be resolved in my in my opinion. So, and uh, where do they go? Do they go at, at existing gas stations? Yeah. Do they go at rest stations that belong to the state? Uh, I, I personally don't believe the government has shouldn't be should be involved in uh charging people's cars. I think we need less government, not more. So I'm hoping that this um, is more of a private sector and run by the private mm-hmm. sector. Uh, because that will generally mean we get cheaper prices and it becomes it creates a competition which is where we should be the free market. So where they go I don't have those details but I'll tell you we'll be keeping a close eye on it and and I'd love to co- you know keep the conversation going with you guys cuz the people need to know.
1: This would are be- there are there legitimate concerns about the the grid sustaining the development of these electric chargers?
4: I would say, yes, <laughs> there's no question. Like I said earlier, we've it doesn't get cold in the where we're at very often, but we know we had trouble keeping the lights on when it got really cold. And we oh, yeah. know that we have trouble keeping the lights on when it gets really hot. Uh, and so the reality is when you put more users on the grid, including more electric cars, you better have a stronger grid. You better have more better infrastructure. And we're hoping uh, that not only does this create the opportunity for people to charge with a greater convenience, <laughs> But it, it's an eye opener as to where we stand as a state for the future of our grid. And, mm-hmm. you know, can we sustain it?
3: The, the, I would assume the Texas Department of Transportation would, I'm assuming, would be the lead in, in deciding how this will be unroll, uh, unveiled, rolled out. Um, all the things we've been talking about and how you get electricity to them wherever they
4: are. One hundred percent. Texas promptly jumped on the initiative and they're working with other state agencies. Uh, They've already submitted a pretty detailed plan uh, that was approved early in the fall of 2022. And I I think that it's clear. I mean, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, we see that EVs are coming. Rain, sleet, snow or shine. And so we better start preparing for it.
3: Are you going to get you one of those Tesla pickup trucks? Cause I'm going to tell you what. I, 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 I think they're cool I'm, looking. I'm
4: pretty convinced. I like filling my car up. <laughs> Harry, <laughs> you can tell us. That's, well, a, no, that's with, a With, with I, that being I, said, I, I, no, that's I'd a good point. We'll be, it, it's going to be a far cry. I think I, I'll think I'll see enough. I've got five children. They're they no. already want electric vehicles, but dad dad's going to be old school. You know, it's going to be. I don't know that I could watch NASCAR if they've got to stop and plug them in.
1: <laughs> they don't they don't sound the same when you rev them up either. That's for sure. No, they, <laughs> no, they
4: don't. They don't feel the same. It's just not the same.
1: And when, when can we start to see all of these new chargers going up? Yeah, good question.
4: And where? So, I think well that's that's if you go to the website there's a pretty interactive map if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and if I am, I will come back with you and correct it. But I'm pretty sure, uh, according to my staff, that the map is extremely interactive when it comes to where the proposed areas and locations are. And so um, this money has to be spent, and it's got to be spent within the, the time frame and the formula. And so uh, it's not like something they can sit on. And so I would tell you that you're going to see these things going up relatively quickly. There's already a pretty darn good network of chargers. Uh, this is going to make it more robust. All right, Texas
1: is not going to scale back on on oil and gas in in light of these chargers, are they?
4: Well, let let me tell you something that's a myth, is that if you use more wind and solar, that Texas is going to scale back. That just gives Texas more opportunity to export energy. And so um, even the big boys, they don't mind, they they do not mind wind and solar because it just allows them to sell more outside of the United States. And so if you look, Corpus Christi is the largest exporter of crude oil in the world. And wow. the reality, I'm sorry, in, in the United States. And so if you look at uh, our capacity in Texas to produce oil and gas, we're a world leader.
1: All right. that Well, that sums it up. Thanks a lot Thank for you. spending some time here with us. That is our state representative for District 40, Texas House member Terry Canales, joining us on News Talk 710 KURV.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach.
1: I got some stats for you that you don't want to hear, but uh, we need to talk about this. More than 79,000 people dead on Texas roads. And the last time that there was a deathless day on Texas roadways was November 7th, 2000. Joining us on 710 KURV to help us end the streak from text. is Ray Pedraza, the public information officer, joining us on your nine five six drive home. So, s- give us give us the the stats and and what is how do, how do we end the streak?
6: Well, you know what, ending this. Thank you, pr- first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to to end the streak uh, is really going to take uh, everyone's help. Uh, th- this week, we reached out uh, on a Zoom call to reporters and social media influencers. Uh, you know, to really you know, ask for their help to help us, uh, with this campaign IndustryTX.com. Uh, if you want to get familiar with the campaign, you can go online and, and, and find out more about it. And we're just really asking all drivers, uh, to, to, to help us as well. They have the power to protect themselves their passengers and their fellow community members, because most of the crashes and fatalities that we're seeing on our roadways are preventable and they're caused by things such as speeding and drunk driving and distracted driving. Uh, so when we approach, uh, reaching zero deaths on Texas roads, we go through what DOT calls the three E's. Engineering, we take a look at ourselves. How can we enhance the safety on our roadways? Education, how do we educate people about traffic uh, safety laws? And then, of course, working with law enforcement partners to enforce those traffic safety laws. And, and, and I mentioned the, the Zoom call that we had earlier this week, and w- we thought we should probably add a fourth E to that, and that should be empathy because we feel like You know, we as fellow Texans, we need to care more about each other and care about the person who's in the vehicle next to us. And we feel like once we get people to care about, you know, who's in the vehicle next to them, uh, hopefully we Mm. can start um, bending the trend, if you will.
3: We should we should care for you to get out of my way when I'm in a hurry somewhere.
1: Davis, (laughs) Davis. (laughs) Uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. So here's something I just finished going to um, New Orleans. From and I drove there from uh, the valley to New Orleans to Bastrop and and back down. And one of the things that I'm seeing a lot of are people are are, are overtaking you from the right hand side, getting in front of you, and then moving over to the to the left lane. Are there other things? Uh, I mean, uh, that go hand in hand with the speeding and the drunk driving and things like that are just crazy things. I know we were in quarantine for a while, but like, is there a reason why people have been driving a little bit more recklessly than than usual? You
6: know, it's funny you mentioned that because with this campaign, uh, there was a a psychology professor that was interviewed about driver behavior. And he mentioned, you know, things like COVID where he felt like there was maybe a disconnect, uh, you know, where we, you know, weren't socializing as much. And so maybe we're not seeing people Mm -hmm. as our neighbors uh, as we used to. And then another thing that he mentioned, too, was politics, you know, uh, which can be very polarizing and where, you know, we, we take that mm-hmm. behavior where you know, we see people as strangers and not our neighbors, and, and, and maybe we don't care as much when we're on the road uh, in vehicles next to us. So that could be a factor. So, uh, again, we're asking people to, to really care about uh, the people in the vehicle next to them. We're really asking people also to, to reach out to people in their inner circle, to, to their friends, their neighbors, their, their relatives, and, and call out bad driving behavior because we see plenty of it here in the Valley.
1: Our, our guest is Ray Pedraza from TechStat, our guest on your 956 Drive Home. We're trying to end the streak as there have been more than 79,000 deaths on Texas roads, and the last time we had a deathless day was November 7th, 2000. Yes, 22 years ago. Good Lord. It, it, it's incredible. As far as uh, drinking and driving, or driving while intoxicated, or, or under the influence of anything, uh, how... How uh, Do do you happen to have any numbers? Because I know we've got like Uber and Lyft and and things like that, and and you've always been able to call a taxi, but, I mean, these things still happen.
6: You know what? I I don't have those exact numbers in front of me, but I can tell you that, unfortunately, Hidalgo and Cameron counties are usually in the top 10 when when it comes to impaired driving crashes and fatalities, and so that's certainly not a stat that we're proud of.
1: No, not at you, all. Davis Rankin, go ahead.
3: Ray, do you think, uh, you think we are, because um, hmm, I've heard this said that we, are, we have a, just a little bit different attitude toward drinking and driving down here. We're a little more casual about it or uh, forgiving is not the right word, but you understand where I'm going with it. Is it, is it your view that, that that's kind of prevalent here?
6: I believe so. I think that, you know, uh, in in many instances, people feel like, well, if I just have a a few drinks, I'm just going to head down the road, you know, I'm probably, you know, law enforcement won't see me. And so I think Hmm. we tend to see people take that, take those risks, uh, maybe here more so than
3: in other parts of the state. Hmm. Yeah. As one guy said, we like my people like to party. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Um, Yeah. One thing I've wondered, and you're not the right. But, but i'll put this bug in people's um uh, ear it's one thing to, to to have 0.08 blood alcohol content which they do by a test there's but you can be if you're at point was it 0.05 that's not legally intoxicated but you could be i guess considered under the influence i've never i don't know if that's litigated ever you know what I mean? Right.
6: So what we really tell people, if you've had any amount of alcohol, call uh, get a sober Call one, a raise, friends, call call a raise a Uber. <laughs>
3: hey, call <Yeah>. me, sure. <laughs> do, do you do, this is unusual for the highway department, it seems to me, to to be doing this. And realizing you're not one of the commissioners, uh, but why you know don't you all have enough to do building roads then? I think it's a good thing i'm not complete. i'm not criticizing it but it is unusual for the highway department to be involved in this well actually let
6: me well, let me we,
1: springboard off of you david we feel like we, um,
6: we, we feel well, like, go we go feel ahead, like it's a shared responsibility uh between okay. us and law enforcement and the community we feel like all working together we could hopefully uh bend this trend and, and hopefully one day get to, to zero deaths on our roadways
1: and for ray, ray pedraza is with text he joins us on your 956 drive home we're trying to end the streak of car accidents on texas roadways and uh, it, it's been it's been almost twenty two years. How how does it get that far, and and yeah. what what does it take? Like, has there been? I, sorry for asking kind of a left field question, but I mean, have there been studies about what happened like on that particular day versus mm. like, the the trends and things like that? I, I have not, uh,
6: you know, I, I've not heard, you know, what particularly happened on that year. Yeah. But my guess is that you know, you know we have a lot bigger population and you have more people driving since then i mean this is 22 years later uh, that would be my guess but uh, you know i, I bet guess you- i would need to look clo- more closely into that date or the- i that you- admit that was
1: a niche com- uh, a niche question i i admit but it was just one of those peak of curiosities that that happen as we have this conversation i bet but you there's as far fewer as, um- as far as why uh, over 22 years i mean um if i remember correctly haven't there been kind of like inklings and murmurings of hey you know things have been getting kind of bad can we tone Mm -hmm. it down a bit like not not so much official campaigns but um at least mentions that the streak hasn't hadn't been broken in so long i'm sure it's been mentioned before of
6: course yeah and that's the reason that way we we do safety campaigns you know throughout the year you know whether it be motorcycle safety pedestrian safety you know, sober rides, uh, you know, campaigns. Uh, so we really try to keep the message out there all year long. And that's why we're also encouraging the community, you know, that this needs to be a conversation on a regular basis and not just on holidays. I mean, we, we should be talking to our our kids that are teen drivers about the responsibility on on our roadways to keep
1: everybody safe. I'm happy to see more presence on on this particular thing, ending the streak. But for uh, but before we wrap it up, where do we get more information on 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 how to end the streak? What are some of the things that we can do?
6: You can go to endthestreaktx.com, dot com, and there is plenty of collateral for you to download on there. The social media graphics and and gifts that you can. Download on there, and uh, we encourage you to, to to post your own personal stories, uh, testimonials of, of maybe you've lost a loved one, or, or maybe someone you know was seriously injured in a crash. Post their story, use the hashtag uh, TX. and of course follow us on social media and and reshare our content as well.
1: End the streak. Dot TX.
6: NthestreekTX
1: Oh, nthestreaktx.com. Got it. NthestreekTX.com. Thanks a lot, Ray. Appreciate Thank it. You. Hope to have you on again soon with, with uh news of improvement and that everybody has officially learned how to drive and we can finally get past this and, and end the streak. Ray Pedraza, public information officer for the Texas Department of Transportation, joining us on Newstalk 710 KURV. You're listening
0: to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on Newstalk 710 KURV and KURV.com. It's called the Radiopotami app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store. From your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.